0: i listen to the Rad podcast.
1: Hey everybody, hey everybody, hold Hi. on. Hey now, there you are. Sorry, I was I put my mic up and I had no I think these have to be up, uh, but here we go. The cart The cart was really loud and I had these yeah. darn kittens getting on my audio board again. Aww. And I put my mic up and I was really soft. I was like, what the hell? hey now hey now the world
2: is permanent. oh i thought we were singing
1: hey now hey now squeezers adorable oh so we are uh say hey, rock house we are our second show of 2021 and again a few weeks in the 2021 wow, it feels another wednesday nothing really happened today in america uh,
2: no no this is why I, I, I depress people and they're like, oh, I can't wait for this year to be over. And I point out that time as we look at it is a construct of man. And it really means nothing. And it's just a date to try to make you feel better. So Yeah. Um, the only date you can really look forward to is uh, pick anything that starts with a one, a nine, a nine, and another number. That's the date you can look forward to.
1: Are you talking... If it starts with a two, you're pretty much fucked. Are you talking about the past? How we yeah, idealize yeah. it? It's...
2: Yes. Oh, we do. Oh, we, Rosie... Uh, and look, I, don't get me wrong. The, and especially, it's because you were a kid, too. So, yeah, the 80s and 90s were fucking sweet. Like, oh, times were simpler. Yeah, I was 12. Right. Um, at the same time... uh. Yeah, we didn't have uh, the same kind of internet, so yeah, it made shit a little... I would say it made things harder. It made things easier.
1: Um, Not Jobs had to circulate like a zine or something to get their crazy theories out there. Yeah. Or had to go meet in public or at the library uh, to get their...
2: And at worst, worst, you're in like a chat room... You know, yeah oh yeah the chat I rooms chat and it's like and then you move on
1: and we're all just pretending to be girls
2: yeah oh yeah
1: we didn't really have i we didn't have aol i
2: i went so far as to have my own bosoms
1: no oh. mm-hmm uh again we didn't have aol so chat rooms weren't oh so,
2: yeah everything else what'd you do with all those cds then
1: um yeah I would uh just whip them at each at first it was three and a half yeah. inch it was it was three and a quarter inch floppies oh yeah mm-hmm. before the cds so you could take those and erase them and reuse them
2: oh yeah or or you take the slide off and you can fold them and break them into shanks
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> or that
2: saying you <laughs> used to do that all the time because then you can you'd, you'd take that and like you'd like carve your name in the desk and shit
1: you know, ah. so you should do that either yeah Iraq was in on the zine scene two issues i wanted to put out a zine and um it was it was like i the our idea was so we started figuring out how to color palette swap characters in mortal like so we take like the ninjas and the like Melania and all them, the characters who were palette swapped and we'd re palette swap them with colors that weren't used and make up bios, powers, special maneuvers, fatalities, friendships, everyone of these characters. So we are going to make a arcade zine. Um, me and my friend Matt that I think we printed until we ran out of, cause back then you, your black ink, all everything came from one color cartridges, so it just used every color, yeah, to make
2: solid. Yeah, black was the biggest. Black was the biggest waste of uh, resources.
1: Right. So, um, I think we got like four pages of my Mortal Kombat arcade zine done with bios. It was fun, though. We. So you, wait, you you palette swapped? So we take like Scorpion Mortal for Kombat instance. Characters, yeah. And and this was before they would palette swap. Like they got more lazy with the palette swaps. Originally, it was just yeah. Oh, I I thought yeah. Originally, it was just Scorpion, Sub Zero, and Reptile. So we we sure. palette swap to like red, like or you know, like purple or stuff that they later would come out with, and then make up names, mm-hmm. bios, and moves for these characters. And then we did the same for the so we were palette swap mainly the ninjas because they were the easiest to palette swap. Uh. And we did it in Microsoft Paint. It was before I really had it Photoshop, and um, we'd print them out. And uh, yeah, I was I was editing photos that long. I was doing that kind of shit that long ago. Squeezer, if it if it doesn't surprise yeah. you,
2: I no, like, I it
1: doesn't. I was yeah. like the print shop Paint, Paint master. Paint was
2: everything. That was the first, and especially like if you were on like a PC and you didn't have like any games. You had you had Minesweeper. Solitaire and paint, or you can like, and eventually, you ha- if you like, if there was nothing on, it, you would word, and then you would just take clip art and dissect clip art because you can actually break it down into into like the vectors. Yes, that was always fun. I would always make the the clapping hand squeeze the turtle, and then use the oil
1: derrick and paint it red and have its head pop off. I used Paint Shop Pro then, which was yeah. A Photoshop for Windows before I went to Mac and just switched to Photoshop version three. Yeah. Um, Paint Shop Pro. I made tons of uh, like I I I got big and was making people tons of people. I probably could have made a pretty big killing if I would have like done some. I made like animated uh, AOL icons that for my friends because mm-hmm. I was really good at that kind of stuff. I was yeah I was doing nerdy sh- and then I learned Flash. And I was programming Flash, and I taught myself how to design websites. I had my own <laughs> website back in the day. That was what I I, I.
2: I was having fun. That's with, how I first uh, made money.
1: With, I remember, our our website was um, designed by me at, at work for the longest time. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I something yeah, I knew I would, how to do.
2: Yeah, I I tried doing like HTML and stuff, and it kind of I got bored with it. I'm glad I didn't stick with it cuz that kind of would have been made itself kind of
1: I used them all when they were relevant after a while Macromedia the Macromedia Dreamweaver, Macromedia Flash, Macromedia mm-hmm. Fireworks that was like their Photoshop and then Macromedia a little a little couple of uh yeah, where's ROMs. A, a little piece of software known as Macromedia Final Cut uh, which would later be sold to Apple, which would be turned into Final Cut Pro.
0: Yeah,
1: that's what I was I was big on the down illegally downloaded software it was my game, Eric. <laughs> uh, I was I was I wasn't making any money off it though, so don't come after me. Yeah, it's exactly why it's now we're paying a fortune to Adobe and Mm -hmm. but i taught myself how to use it way back when
2: yeah well and it's kind of everyone like i don't know like i've talked about this before like i would never like there was like subscription in our household was like a dirty word oh yeah you would never like my my parents like the idea of a monthly payment for anything if it wasn't the mortgage or the car (laughs) was out of the question yeah well, there like, was no magazine subscriptions. Rarely, rarely we'd think, get a magazine. Like subscription. AOL was a breakthrough. Like I had to like, like look, we need
1: this. We had Prodigy, but like the cheapest version of Prodigy. And I'm sure mm-hmm. my mom didn't know my dad bought it. Um, I was paying for it, and there was really nothing you could do on it. It was mainly text based. There's very few graphical interfaces. Um. But then we had one of the first ever cable modems in 1994, and it was a Zenith, and it was probably the size of this audio board. <laughs> a little, no, it was it was big though. It was like mm-hmm. like half of ECR. <laughs> um. So we had, and it, our first one was actually wasn't even uh, two way. It was you still had to have the phone hooked up to it. It, it had download, and then upload came through the phone. Hmm uh but then two way yeah so um back in the day and then we then we ditched project we didn't have any subscriptions fees you know well they paid for Mm -hmm. oh wait they didn't even pay for cable right
2: oh no no because the previous owners never canceled it and the company that had it was oblivious to it so i they like i don't know or they just didn't shut it off because it's not like we were getting a bill But uh, so they either didn't cut off their service when they realized my my guess is someone uh, they canceled it. So they canceled it in the computer, but then didn't go through and actually, you know, disconnect the line. Mm. And so free cable until they they wanted us to pay the back fees. That's like, get the fuck out of here.
1: Yeah, oh, you're cute. Goodbye. So he so
2: he called my current employer, and that was that. Hmm. Yeah. And they were out there that afternoon. He's like, "Hey, this current company is uh being shitty. We've been stealing it from them for years, and now they want their money back. We'll pay you if you come and hook us up." Sure.
1: <laughs> um, some bad news. So, the Many Saints of Newark, Squeezer. Wait, did you pick... Hold on, let me look at your picks really quick. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, you didn't pick um, Sopranos. No,
2: Joe, sorry. I didn't... uh, Or
1: Golden Palace. But, like I told Squeezer, there's no... um, There's no... uh, Uh, honorable mentions so when we do this was
2: really hard for me
1: yeah me too like i i I wanted to go to the classics like the easiest ones like night rider and you know um growing pains and facts of life but i'm like you know what yeah i gotta pick the ones i really like first and then go to the yeah
2: i went with the ones that uh stick in my head the most or actually in particular mean something very much to me uh and i went with that i left out growing pains only because i've played it and talked it before and i'll bring it back around again it's just
1: it's epic um well on comicbook.com um some well there's two two uh some news did you see the big news from our friends at arcade one up
2: No, I I was thinking of a different video game news that I'm quite kind of excited slash uh, anxious for. Was it the GTA? No, it was the Indiana
1: Jones. Oh, Bethesda, right? Yeah. Um, GTA 6 insider claims Vice City, South America, and female protagonist rumors are true we figured it
2: would be vice city. Yeah, we vice city it had to be.
1: Yeah.
2: And I do like the I do like the cuz everyone's been clamoring and they, I guess they finally did it online. I haven't logged in forever, but different locations. Like GTA 5 there was a moment where you go back to um
1: South, uh North uh, Mountain?
2: You go back to uh Liberty City for a brief Are oh, you do? But the uh, yeah, people want bigger. So if, yeah, if all of a sudden you get to go down the fucking uh,
1: Caribbean Columbia, South America. Yeah. Which,
2: and it makes sense, too, because if you play Red Dead, there is an entire chapter where you're in a jungle. So I'm sure, not that they're going to reuse those assets, but you got the, you have a good place to work off of already. I mean, I kind of rushed through that because it's... Was the worst part of the game, but what are you going to do?
1: Uh, yes, well, there was something I was really looking forward to, and I wanted to, like get enchantress to start watching uh, Sopranos because we started, but we only got through the first season because the Many Saints of Newark is was supposed to come out in April on HBO Max. Um, but I think I know New Line Cinema sued uh Warner Brothers for releasing their movies on HBO Max or something. I don't know the logistics of that. But uh they're now releasing it uh September twenty fourth,
0: twenty
2: twenty one. Yeah, I know was New Line involved. I I know uh uh Dennis Villuvian uh was making a big stink too. Well yeah with, New Line uh, was involved Dune. in Dune,
1: yes, correct
2: um um but yeah the i'm excited for the indiana jones game that do you see the trailer for it no it's just, it's just a little teaser it's with the just, books you kind of hear the music yeah the books and you kind of hear the music build up and he lifts up the hat and there's the whip and it's like oh snap and it's the same guys behind wolfenstein todd howard's peeing it so i it'll be awesome it'll be buggy and then they'll fix it and it will be more awesome and it's probably going to be the reason I have to drop another 500 bucks on the next box. Thank you, Microsoft. they they It was a brilliant move. They at least got my money. I finally own a Microsoft product after 20 years.
1: Um, Yeah. Ray Liotta, by the way, is in this new move. So Ray Liotta finally joins the, the Sopranos universe.
0: Ooh. Yeah,
1: he is in the new uh, Saints, many Saints in Newark. Um, But that's it. Daisy is trending following Super Mario 3D World rumor. Earlier this week, Nintendo released an all-new trailer for Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury on Nintendo Switch. The trailer proved to be quite interesting, putting focus on the new Bowser's Fury mode. While most fans were entranced by the Keiju-inspired battle between Bowser and Cat Mario, there was a detail that stuck out And other fans a group of small cats that appear in the trailer nintendo has given no details on the cats but some think they might represent the other playable characters from super mario 3d world peach luigi toad and rosalina however the there are five cats and the calico that appears in the trailer seems to bear striking resemblance to daisy I don't know what that all means but <laughs> <laughs> Daisy is trending. So I mean everyone and their mother bought a Switch over pandemic so now Switch is really really popular it's the most high selling system in China right now. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's about <laughs> all. Oh, oh, oh Arcade 1-Up, arcade the big news from Arcade 1-Up. One oh, one. yeah, sorry. They announced uh, a bunch of new arcade cabinets. Uh, but after tonight, I don't know if I'm going to buy another one again. <laughs> so I pre-ordered. Well, let me tell you. Don't spoil it. I hear you typing in there. Uh, How would I spoil it? Well, I want to tell you. Oh, okay. I type all kinds of things, though. You don't know what I'm typing. You're check, You're Googling Arcade 1-Up. I, yeah, I I heard it, but 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 stop! I want to tell uh, uh, and you a story because we asked that kid about it last year. We did, yes. Oh, so you did spoil it? Damn it, Squeezer!
2: No, I didn't spoil it. I see it. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> but when you said, all you said was, I knew right away when you said, uh, "We asked that
1: kid." It was oh. Our, uh, the X-Men four player cabinet is coming out and I have uh two days ago when it was announced, I s- set on Monday I believe, I set my alert on Arcade one up to notify me when it comes out so I could spend seventeen hours putting it together one day. Um it, it you're not keeping your office, right? I don't know. <laughs> See, right? It's the same reason I don't have I mean, a couch in there. <laughs> you're the best boss ever. Same reason I don't have a couch in there, squeezer.
2: That's true. You know, I got that big empty wall in my office, you know, where I don't
1: have a couch either. Yeah, you you could buy one. Uh, I won't have any problem with that. They're releasing also Dragon's Lair, Space Ace, which is a Dragon's Lair variant, Killer Instinct, uh, which comes with Battletoads also, uh, an Atari Legacy Edition, the Bandai Namco Entertainment Legacy Edition, the Capcom Legacy Edition, the Pong four-player pub table um the atari one has
2: if they came out with a deja vu i'd get that for my office that way no one would come in
1: was deja vu an arcade or was it just nintendo
2: it was just nintendo but it would be pretty cool and i mean it it wouldn't be but and that's why no one would play it and no one would come in my office except me just want to hear it playing in the background
1: i was i'm kind of pissed i missed out I never bought the our Mortal Kombat or the Turtles ones. Because the Mortal Kombat has 1, 2, and 3 on it. Mm-hmm. But um, I definitely... My favorite arcade game when I was a kid was... Um, the X-Men arcade game. And I definitely need well,
2: Yeah, You can help me program my own one day. I'm hmm. going to need your help. Uh, I have designs I got a plan. My my end game for my woodworking is an Art Deco style full scale arcade machine with a multi arcade unit inside.
1: Oh, that's easy to do. You just got a MAME emulator.
2: That's not what I'm oh, it's it's easy. Yeah, we just, you know, craft a piece of wood of something that hasn't been designed that way. No, in no, no. Years. I mean the internals. It's easy. Oh, the internals, yeah, but I'm also an idiot, so <laughs> You're forgetting
1: that. I have like about 60 different hacked little video games sitting around me right now. Uh, A T2 cabinet would be cool, but I don't know if they'll get... Yeah, but who knows? The T2 with the two Uzis? Terminator 2? Oh, yeah. Does it have the recoil? No, I don't know. I'm just saying what would be cool if they... Oh, yeah. That would be... It would have to have... I
2: don't know. That'd be really tough.
1: I mean, I'm setting a big Buck Hunter in my living room right now, Squeezer. Oh, <laughs> A Lethal Enforcer's then with Big Buck Hunter.
2: Oh, it comes with it? No, no. Or you could do I'm that. Talking with, oh, I, I'm talking about possibilities. Oh, it is a possibility. Ooh, what about a time crisis?
1: Yeah, time crisis. Like all? Or like a cruise in USA. Or like a Af- crazy taxi. Yeah. Um, Or House of the Dead 2. Something like that. They have the Star Wars. There's so many. They, they there's so many different uh, um, NFL Blitz. I'm surprised I haven't done that since they have NF- NBA Jam. It's probably coming.
2: I just want to get one of those machines where you drop the token in and try to knock the rest of the tokens off to get tickets, but it never happens.
1: <laughs> You're gonna make your wife get prizes. That, that, so you turn that, that I should get for? from my office,
2: and people can come in and just drop their tokens in. All right.
1: You'd have to find a way to keep Captain out.
2: Uh, you already just—it's yeah. it, simple. Close the door.
1: <laughs> Close the door. Uh, but yeah, have they, his
2: face pressed up against the glass like Lenny and Carl.
1: They have a lot of cool uh, arcade. One up is doing a lot of cool things. Um. They. They. Also the pinball machines we saw, they're out. Star Wars, Marvel. Um mm-hmm. I think there's an Attack from Mars one. There's uh the countercades that they have. I, I
2: do I do like the pub tables.
1: Yeah, they're very cool. But where are you, like where are you gonna put these all over your house, you know? Mm-hmm. That's the only question I have. Just <clears throat> If I would have told young Ryan that one day he'd have a cabinet of X-Men in his house. (sighs) Yes, Joe. WandaVision, if you're listening to this, debut on Wednesday the 12th. No, 13th. And two days from now, Friday the 15th, WandaVision, the first two episodes, premiere on Disney+. Plus. It's not a binge show. They're not giving us all of them. But it will apparently lead up until... It's the, the official MCU bridge... To Spider-Man 3 and um, Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And apparently Cumberbatch is in the show hmm. as Dr. Strange. Yeah. So that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I I'm kind of glad it's not a binge show because I'm just I I see it all over the place and I know I'm supposed to be getting excited. Oh, you're not excited for it? I
1: oh, I'm so fucking uh, excited.
2: No, I'm not. I'm really not. I don't know why.
1: Let me tell you one show you have to watch. If anybody... Maybe it's
2: just the way it's being promoted. Why I just feel uh, something off. I don't know. Just
1: if anybody, I'll give it a shot. Okay. Not oh yeah it's you you have so much shit to watch it's good that it's only coming out once a week
2: oh yeah thank god
1: um if anybody has apple plus like you if you buy a new apple product you get a free year of it ted lasso might be one of the best shows ever created on the face of the planet if you just want a show that makes you feel good about one of the best people alive ted lasso is so fucking fantastic Created by Jason Sudeikis, based on the 2007 character they created for the Olympics. Um, fuck is it? He's he's. It's hysterical. It's it's just wholesome. Yet they curse and say all sorts of swears and everything in it. it you know, it's TVMA, but it's just really good. And uh, Bill Lawrence from Scrubs was a producer, uh, pr- cr- uh, bleh, executive producer. He did it with Sude- Sudeikis and Zach Braff actually directed an episode. It's about an American coach who gets hired to coach American American football coach who gets hired to coach an English soccer team. And we're like, "Wait, that doesn't make sense." Yes, that's part of the the thing.
2: Oh. Oh, that's humor.
1: Yeah. It's only 10 episodes. Um I don't got the plus, so that makes it easy. Well, it's... If you do... Also, The Morning Show. Holy shit.
2: Yeah, it's, I kind of wanted to buy it for that, but...
1: Wow. Um, I, tol- I told... I watch
2: it when you can live it.
1: Nah, mm, yeah, this is... I mean, we yeah. <laughs> Not... Off the record, yes. Even though I know we're on the record. <laughs> off the record, even though you're recording... So, we're recording, so I know we're on the record. Um... I mean, not now. You're a, you're a peach. No, I know. I know. Yeah. We, we did live it, though. But um, it uh, Morning Show is good. I, I told Fulkerson after we watched like two episodes, I'm like, you have to watch this. And she finished it before I did.
2: Hmm. It's just... Uh, I don't know,
1: have I led you astray the yet? I told you this. to watch The Boys. Have you finished The Boys yet? You didn't even finish The no, Boys. No, I'm
2: still stuck in season two. I, I got... What? I'm sorry. They have YouTube has free GI Joe and free Brave Star.
1: You're not watching and that.
2: Never seen us before. <laughs> but you're not watching it. I I I get sucked into a rabbit hole some nights when I come down here.
1: Yeah, I watch a lot of. You want to know what I'm watching on YouTube? Because I I basically consume media when I'm at home and um. Mm-hmm. So I watch the Endless Adventure now because they did. It's this husband and wife team who are, are rebuild, remodeling an RV, but they also like travel places. And I found them because mm. they went to a Bucky's. <laughs> Ooh, oh, boy. So that's how I found them. I found this, the Super Guitar Brothers, who do the entire medley of Ocarina of Time on their two guitars. And here, I'm going to just play a little bit of it where I have it on the timeline. It's the whole thing is. Is I think, 32 minutes, but this is a fairy fountain. Hold on, it's reloading. And they're just so... It's two acoustic guitars. Like, what's your favorite song from Ocarina of Time?
2: Mm. Yeah, probably this like Lon lawn ranch i mean Let's i'm go. i'm always i'm always a sucker for you know the main theme of course just i like that pomp and circumstance of it but that's barely in ocarina of time i i, I know it kind of kills me but when you, you get hints of it uh... Oh, yeah and it, even the title now you're going to well. make me go and play
1: Arena. It might be coming out for Switch Like I said last week
2: Now I gotta go buy a Switch No, because I would still prefer to play it on the 64
1: I played it on the 64, GameCube, 2DS And I'll probably play it on the Switch So, uh, the, the, the Super Guitar Brothers on YouTube I'm not opening their anybody's eyes to them Because this video alone has over a million views <laughs> But uh, yes, they're pretty awesome.
2: Yeah. Do you remember the mini bosses? Yeah. Yeah. So kind of, uh, I would, I had, that was all over my fucking Winamp. Winamp. It really whips the llama's ass. My watch list goes back to two. You know what? It's funny. Like, I, I have a Netflix account. I don't even know what the fuck you going to watch on Netflix, but all that shit, like, I don't even know if it even exists anymore. Half the shit that I probably had like, you know, on my watch list, like add to watch it probably is off already.
1: <laughs> we started watching Veep. I never watched Veep on HBO.
2: I I caught one or two and it was funny, but I just well,
1: yeah, I'm four episodes in and I'm a, I love it and uh we're keeping up with it. It's really funny. Um but yeah, Ted, if anyone's on the fence, Ted, Ted Lasso it just is a feel good Joyride, with just one of the best characters ever created. Jason Sudeikis' is Ted Lasso. Uh,
2: I guess I could use my viewing time more wisely than watching old uh, World Poker Tours from like 2016. So.
0: No,
1: I mean, I, I still watch some old stuff. Um... Yeah, but
2: I don't watch anything new. <laughs> That's the problem. That And I'll just sit there and listen to uh, Ferris mentioned uh, the Dust podcast, that sci-fi podcast, and now I'm hooked on that. So I'll just put that on
1: and just sit there and listen. Well, I watch King of the Hills. I watch, you know, we Sunny still. We just finished Mm -hmm. rewatching Community for me for like the hundredth time. You know, I just finished as much as I could as The the Office again for like the millionth time before I left Netflix. So I'm still getting old stuff in, Squeezer.
2: Yeah, yeah. I watched uh, the 30th, the same episode of Bluey the other day. Uh, I watched Rapunzel uh, again for the thousandth time. Uh, And Elmo did something. Yeah, that's where you get caught
1: up. So when you, put I'm not gonna lie. Those also, two,
2: the first, the first three shows are fucking phenomenal. That Rapunzel show is fucking
1: great. I'm,
2: I'm going to I also. I'll
1: go watch it, Tangled,
2: Rapunzel's Adventure.
1: Admit, besides Among Us, um, which we're four days without playing, so Among Us and um, Jurassic World Evolution. You play a lot more video games than I do, though.
2: I do, and I, I mean, yeah, I do, and I
1: don't. You do.
2: If I do, I, I. I, if I have the time yeah I'll hop on That I mean that's a good like if I'm like oh man it's 10 o'clock I'm gonna play video games that's like a good 4 or 5 hours
1: how many times it. have you finished Red Dead Redemption story mode
2: oh story mode oh, only once
1: how many times have you finished Grand Theft Auto story mode
2: uh, like I
1: think I did it like 6 times yeah so see I've only gotten like <laughs> and, a...
2: to, and to completion twice
1: Right. so that's how I watch like The Office and stuff Like you're good at video All games right. I suck at them You've played with me I'm online. Not,
2: I'm not good. Well, and the thing is, with Red Dead, you know, you, you
1: play online.
2: So you gotta ride around and do absolutely nothing cause it,
1: Yeah, it but you, you still do, and do. like all your favorite games, like you'll play the story modes. Like uh, what's oh, the one? I, you play yeah, now?
2: I've. Fuck, like probably it's I'm Libre trying Punk to think. Whatever, probably I Skyrim, thinking. I put the most time in, and that's. I couldn't tell you uh, between how many characters and hundreds of hours each.
1: Well, that's, yeah. sorry, we're sidebarring like crazy here. We're a half hour yeah. in we haven't even started talking about. But that's
2: what we do. Yeah, I know. That's what we do best. Um, coherent rambling.
1: You're going to go first this week. Uh, we're talking oh, boy. retro TV themes, our favorite TV themes. And pretty much there's, I, I don't know how you picked yours, but mine came from not only the song, but also the open that goes with it. Yeah, uh,
2: open somewhat, me, it was mostly, I mostly went with by song, and some of them I also went by, it just, like, I just went with, as I'm, like, just going through and just listing stuff, mm-hmm. whatever I'm actually singing in my head or the ones that I ended up, like, circling. Mm. Um, All And right. then also the shows that. I tried to find a way that, like, each one kind of meant a little something different. You know, a little—the personal squeezer touch.
1: Okay. All right. Well, here is Squeezer's—a Susan of Squeezer for his first <clears> pick. hmm <throat> Yes.
0: Sometimes the world looks perfect. Nothing to rearrange. Sometimes you just get a feeling like you need some kind of change, no matter Nothing's
1: gonna stop me now. Ah, Balky, cousin
2: Balky, cousin Larry. Uh, that's what I had no idea I, as a kid that this show was called Perfect Strangers. Really? Uh, it was ba- it was it was Balky to us.
1: No, oh. like,
2: I know. I knew what it was. It was just, oh, okay. I can
1: read. You're making a joke. Um, All
2: right. Thanks. So yes. No. Kinda. <laughs> no, more. Of You're aside. attempting a joke. A comic. It was an. It was a comic aside. I don't, I don't do jokes. I do shtick. Clearly. Um. Uh. <laughs> uh. But no, my sister and I, we called it Balky, and this was like, I, I remember, like, you, you think of like bonding moments with your brothers and sisters. I mean, I do. I don't know if you do, but um, it was. Uh, like for my sister and I, like this was our first show together, like our first favorite show. Um, and we would look forward to this all the time. And and the, as soon as you would hear this song kick in, um, like we would get so hyped up because it's an awesome like like this song. Look, I love this song. It's great. It has really nothing to do with Perfect Strangers.
1: A majority the, 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 of these don't have anything to do with their n- show. No, but.
2: no, and this should have been like an Olympic theme. Like th- this, like stand and tall, and you know, it's epic. It, it's huge, and it's um, all right. Maybe it's a little bigger for Cousin Larry going. Uh, or uh, Balky going across the ocean, but Cousin Larry just leaving a nice, you know, colonial house. No, sw- sick, sick, a beautiful red Mustang. By the way, I mean that thing was just gorgeous. Um, but yeah, it's it, it kind of the ideas of the song. It, it's like they didn't watch the show, which of course they don't. David Pomeranz uh, wrote and uh perform this and he might be the nicest person on the planet um from what I, I from what i just read about him and he produces all kinds of songs and he's still working and stuff but like he, he first of all the guy he's been working forever going back to like the 70s mm-hmm. um and he opened for Rod Stewart uh Billy Joel the Doors and Three Dog Night so he he's been around. He's performed in front of some big crowds. He played in Gorky Park. He plays in Russia. And but he does like all these like big like like those epic like uh uh what, what like those uh change the world kind of moment songs. Mm-hmm. Like he always had like his fingers and nose. And I think he, one of his songs actually was in the 88 <laughs> Olympics, I want to say. Um and uh it it's just it's so catchy and like th- this like i i just i would hum this in my head just walking around cuz it makes me feel like i'm standing tall
1: standing tall uh not to
2: mention all right so i talked about yeah he's got the idiot olympics and he opened for redster but he he's a few other, um, so he produced it. The guys that wrote it are responsible for perhaps the triumvirate of TGIF. Well, not not the shows, but the themes. And I caught heat for this because I didn't pick this, and Mrs. Squeezer is still very pissed at me. Actually, all three of these, she's I like. Hey, give me some shows for you or for the for the show. And she's like, all right, well, Full House, Step by Step, and Family Matters like well I'm already doing Perfect Strangers so I can't you know I want to just be a TJF show mm-hmm. but that was uh uh who the hell wrote it uh, oh Jesse Frederick and Bennett uh Salve uh yes they are responsible for writing the themes to both Perfect Strangers or not both cuz that means two Perfect Strangers Full House Step by Step and Family Matters that's a that's epic that's the mountain rushmore of sitcoms right uh, there.
1: it's more than Mount Rushmore of TGIF but all
2: right, it's the Mount Rushmore of TGIF. <laughs> I mean, it is TGIF. Yes. Like if you, if you say TGIF, it's those four shows in my mind are the ones I, I'll also throw dinosaurs in there, but, but yeah, it makes me happy. It takes me back to a place. Me and my sister are all excited for Balky. Um, I I I and I I do like Bronson Pinchot's, uh when he had his uh, home remodeling show too. I enjoyed that.
1: No, ah, Bronson Pinchot.
2: The theme wasn't as he good. He was uh, also
1: I good it, in, in uh, everyone else hm? in Beverly Hills Cop. Aguil, oh, yes. What are you doing here? <laughs> this is a Hanaylator. a thousand. <laughs> this happen.
2: Um sorry. Continue. No. It's all good. No, I I, I without abated breath uh rambled through my first pick quite well.
1: I I don't think you rambled. Uh but it's time. I was excited.
2: I've been waiting to go. And then I got this stuck in my head and, and okay. Now I'm all settled in. Okay, you're settled in I get, here. I get nervous. Oh, no,
1: Alright, okay. Here is you're also a freight train. You can't stop you. So I just back up and let you fly through. You got a lot. Is that a fat joke? No, no. It's uh, how you can't hear me, I think, because of the the playback. So you don't know I'm trying to interject. No. So you just keep going. But the, the fans at home know because I'm like, I, I stopped short. I'm like, oh, oh okay. Ah, uh, yeah. So yeah. I play it. A, it's a delay. Turned it into a bit. Ah, uh but I could always just do this and now you can't talk at all. So here is my first pick. Ah, the Pee Wee's Playhouse theme. I learned something tonight, Squeezer. Ooh, what's that? So, uh, there wasn't much I could find about this on the internet, but I have a book that I bought at RetroCon in 2015 called Inside Pee Wee's Playhouse for, by Casey Gaines, and Casey actually autographed it to me. Ryan, I hope you love it enough to marry it. Casey Gaines. He was there. not <laughs> <laughs> so much. Ryan, did you marry it? Uh, so I consulted his wonderful book about the creation of the open. Now um, – let me kill this down. So they rented – Broadcast Arts rented this loft that was previously a sweatshop squeezer.
2: Oh, well, that – I like how this, this is fun. It's the This is good. Uh, sweatshop's
0: yeah. good.
1: But, but this is going to be – this is going to start sounding familiar to you work-wise. It was a space that was not meant to be a studio, and they had to retrofit it as a studio.
2: Huh. No shit.
1: So they gutted all the sewing machines and spinning wheels out of it. Um, But uh, Did they
2: drop the ceiling down to nine feet just to make it worse?
1: No, it was on the fifth floor, though.
2: Oh, that always makes good
1: for... So it wasn't even a real stage. The space didn't have enough electricity to supply the lights. Every 15 feet, there'd be Mm -hmm. a pole to hold up the loft ceiling. So the set had to be designed around the poles. The stage was (laughs) on the fifth floor, and they had a huge air conditioning truck they called Airy, just like they named everything really bright in that show. Um, Because I guess Rubens um, liked it cold. Paul liked it cold. So this. Air conditioning truck that was huge was pumping cold air from downstairs in this huge vent, and he'd be in the suit, and literally everybody else in the cast would be in down jackets. Um, hmm. They started animating this open, and they couldn't get the move right. You know how at first it's like a stop motion, and the tree falls down, it goes past the sign, and through the forest. Mm-hmm. They kept bringing it back to Rubens. Rubens was hands-on with every little thing about the show. And he was like, the move's not right. The move's not right. So they finally took him to the set, gave him a camcorder, and said, all right, do the move. <laughs> and when he couldn't get it right, they're like, see, it's not as easy as you think. <laughs> like, he, he, nothing he... Wait, he'd...
2: We, we can do that?
1: <laughs> N- no, because you've done that to me already. Yeah. You have to do it with someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Oh, okay. For so Jake. It's easy <laughs> yeah um so they said the the play the playhouse model itself is was a 30 feet in diameter that's how oh, big shit. that and it was a miniature yeah and um like paul was like being such a pain in the ass and then the, the director who was doing the open ran into mark Mothersbaugh, who was composing from devos fame Uh, Who was composing um, the theme song, and he said, "Yeah, we we can't get anything done because it's like the creative process just not working." And Mark's like, "Oh, Uh, so we're in the same boat." So I guess Mark Mother's Ball composed the theme. They they couldn't get it right. Um, Hold on, let me see what he says here in the book. This is mainly about the open. Okay, so... um, After animation was complete, Trumbo turned his way back to Ruben's dressing room for approval. By the time we animated the sequence, it was August, and the show was supposed to air in September. We were really down to the wire with this thing. I brought the completed sequence to set uh, and had an um, old-fashioned Moviela projector set up on his desk so we could watch dailies for each suit. We ran, the op- we ran a sequence on that. He gave final approval, and he said, I bet you thought I would never approved that. Um, my reaction was, well, the show goes on in two weeks. You would have to approve it eventually. So then they got to making uh, the theme song, which was done by Cyndi Lauper and was written from soups, soup to nuts in less than a day. George McGrath co-wrote the lyrics with Rubens, and there's actually a picture of the yellow legal pad paper with like doodles and and uh, lyrics sh- sh- scrawled on it, first draft of the playoffs theme. On day one day at the set, Paul asked me to come into his dressing room. Uh, George says he wanted the theme song to have an old style Razzmatazz feeling. He may have mentioned that he wanted the person singing to sound like Betty Boop, and Cyndi Lauper sounds exactly like Betty Boop. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't at uh, making Aunt Edna? Aunt, uh was it Edna? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't Ann Edna who did the singing. It was, it was actually Cyndi Lauper. Uh, he went on to sing the first line in a raspy voice with jazz hands and wiggling hips. He said, ideally, the lyrics would mention all the puppets. After the day's shooting, McGrath went back to his hotel room and wrote the first draft of lyrics on a sheet of legal paper. Barring a few minor changes that were made a latter time, the show's memorable theme song was complete. Uh, the next day, McGrath showed Paul Rubens the lyrics he'd written. Rubens liked it, and the two sang the lyrics together into a tape recorder. The tape was sent to Mark Mothersbaugh, who composed and then submitted a sample track that closely resembled the tape he received. Uh, that's insane. Then Rubens asked Cindy Lauper to sing the lyrics in a style that had become her signature after success of Girls Just Want to Have Fun. However, Reubens' surprise and disappointment... Lopper declined the offer. Instead, she suggested... Oh, no. Lauper... What did it say Cindy Lauper? Sung the pitch? Oh. Hold on. Let's get through with this all. Uh, mm-hmm. However, Rubens, surprise and disappointment. Lopper declined the offer. Instead, she suggested Rubens at one of her backup singers, Ellen Shaw. Cindy wanted to be taken more seriously as a singer. She was transitioning from Girls Just Want to Have Fun to True Colors Image. The theme song was recorded at CBS on 57th Street. Lopper came to the recording session with hopes of being able to coach Shaw in the singing Lopper style. According to McGrath, after several attempts, it was apparent that the backup singer was having difficulty reproducing Cindy's uh, imitatable style. Paul convinced Lopper to record the track for him as a personal favor. He agreed to credit Shaw as the vocalist. So it was Cindy Lopper. Even though... No shit. Yeah. Even though her her, her backup singer, Ellen Shaw, is credited, the final product clocked in at two and a half minutes, almost double the average run in time for television theme songs. It was long, <laughs> but they cut it down yeah. sometimes, especially but, in reruns. But,
2: and, but at what point? How big was he? That this is before. Now the this, show even ran,
1: but this was after Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Okay. Yeah, so he was—he had all the clout in the world. All right. Yeah.
2: But that you can get a
1: favor from Cindy Lauper, right? For that, yeah. This book's—I got to go through and read this whole book. Um, like I skimmed through and I bought it, but I never actually read the whole thing. But there's so much stuff on Pee Wee. Like I, I could have had so much more tips on the Christmas special when I brought it up, other than um, Miss Yvonne was Charlie's mom. I got so much crap. This book's great. It's <laughs> called Inside Pee-Wee's Playhouse by Casey Gaines. That's uh, a, it's a pretty good book. All right. Squeezer, on to your next mm-hmm. pick. All right. <laughs>
0: horse and carriage
1: this i tell you brother you can't have one without the other love
0: and marriage love and marriage it's an
1: institute you can't disparage ask the local gentry and they will say it's
2: I didn't. Uh, I didn't know Frank cracked a beer in the middle of the song. <laughs> I can't think of a, a better pairing uh, when
1: it comes to. Did I actually use the Frank Sinatra version for the show? Yep.
2: Yeah. Yep. It's the Frank Sinatra. It's the original uh, huh. Capitol Records recording um, from 1955.
1: Oh, also, Frank definitely probably had a beer. When recording this, uh, oh, I, them, yeah,
2: beer, a scotch, um,
1: a little pickup, yeah, <laughs> yo.
2: People, I, I like. It's funny because people like to look at. Like I was gonna say, the, the contrast of the song because the song itself is very like upbeat, fun, and kind of loving in a sense. Uh, I mean, it was written. <laughs> it was written for uh, uh, a TV production of Our Town. That Frank Sinatra was in, that he performed. And then he re-recorded it for his album in '55. Then he actually re-recorded it again in 1965, um, because he was putting out another album '65. And basically, that '65 album was like a couple new songs, bunch of old shit, and that went like massive and was like the album of the year. Um, but how people are like, they, they look at it like Married with Children is this raunchy, dirty show. And you have th- this song, th- this Frank Sinatra classic uh, of love and marriage. I'm like, yeah, but Frank was no sweetheart.
1: And it also ends with Al Bundy's shit flush <laughs> <laughs> dropping the water yeah. pressure in Buckingham Fountain. <laughs>
2: so um, yes, um, yeah, I, like, I, I think it's. Uh, what was it, with like say.
1: the late '80s, early '90s? All the blue collar television came out of Chicago. Thing. It's just time and place. Even movies like National Lampoon. I mean I know a lot of that started in Chicago, but eventually migrated to New York, but that was all like like everything was Chicago.
2: That that is very true. I don't I don't know. I think it was like a more grounded kind of It was place blue collar I guess.
1: Like, I don't know. That's...
2: Yeah, uh, cuz I I think everyone had this idea at the time like LA and New York were like this fancy high life. Yeah. You know. Or or at the time like New York was like a cesspool um like cuz you you can you can be from Chicago and and you can be from like the city but have like a normal suburban life cuz it's little uh i mean dissipates more
1: you think roseanne was chicago uh married children was chicago um i mean um tim the tool man taylor uh what the fuck am i thinking that show he was michigan Home improvement home improvement that was that was detroit yeah
0: um, it was
1: all it was all
2: midwest like it was uh yeah
1: Show set in Chicago. <laughs> Let's see if they're missing anything. Googling
2: any. with the rad years, it gives
1: me Chicago uh, uh, PD. <laughs> no
2: shit. <laughs> um, it, it's definitely it, there. Is a, un the intangibles that go with it. You know, like is it the Blues Brothers? Is, is it whatever? Also, you know, you had um Second City. Yeah, had there so, um. I I think when people think about it, and also you have like the whole the the bears shtick, like it's a uh, blue yeah, collar. It, it, it's a different. It has a vibe, and yeah, it has that blue collar gritty vibe um, that you're definitely not going to get with L.A. In fact, the day the I'm trying to think the earlier shows where now everything wants to take place in L.A. or out in California. Um, but like back then, no one, no one did because it was just a place to go work. Um, Golden Girls were Florida that worked really well. Also, uh, uh,
1: Happy Days was Wisconsin, right, Milwaukee?
2: I want to say yes, that was Milwaukee. Yeah,
1: I'm just thinking.
2: I think they just figure that most people out in the Midwest and out there, it's one, it's cold. Two, there's nothing to do, so you're just gonna watch TV. So let's make the shows about oh, them.
1: Family Matters with Chicago. That's yep. Um. Uh, I mean, you could keep you could keep giving hints. I'll just interrupt you with shows that were set in Chicago. What hints? I mean, not hints. Uh, um, oh, uh, you could keep giving uh, tips of uh, or oh. talking points about your song. Tips. <laughs> sorry I'm um yeah so doing two things at once can't do uh, brain not
2: functioning <laughs> overloaded with um yeah it, this is i talk about this all the time before like my parents like loved the show said it was awful wouldn't let me watch it but when i would hear that initial when you hear that song kick out and you got excited you're like
1: oh like, oh, this was not. This it. was can't miss T- television in the Kelly household. My dad's. I'm so jealous. It was my dad's favorite freaking show, and we never missed it. Every every Saturday, Sunday night, we had this on, uh, what it was on, because it, it was my dad's favorite show.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, it's um. Perfect Strangers was Chicago. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's another Chicago. Mm-hmm. Chicago.
2: Now, granted, they all took place in
1: Chicago. Yeah, they, they weren't filmed. They're were filmed in L.A. They probably weren't. or New York, yeah. but they weren't. Took place in Chicago. Shit,
2: they, they didn't even go through the efforts of shooting like, maybe maybe the open like in Perfect Strangers. Like it's like, oh, let's get on that that boat and go under that bridge that's famous. And oh, I just
1: re- I just realized why all the National Lampoon's Vacation are in Chicago. Shermer, Illinois. It was written by what's his name? The same reason why Home Alone set in Chicago. Uh by c- come on, sh- uh because I just saw Uncle Buck was set in Chicago. And I'm like, oh Uncle Buck, the show was set in Chicago. Oh, based on the nineteen eighty nine There's a show based on the movie. Did you know that?
2: No. It's camp Candy.
1: No, John Hughes. I'm sorry, John Hughes. All John mm-hmm. Hughes stuff was set in Chicago area, Shermer, Illinois, um, just like Ferris Bueller and everything. There was a show mm-hmm. called Uncle Buck in 2015 starring Mike Epps that was spun off of. It was on ABC.
2: Oh, now, see, I thought this was like an older show that, no, I yes, I do remember this. I, I never watched it.
1: There was also a 1990 spinoff. Of Uncle Buck? Yes, that didn't last long, did it? Because I think I would have remembered that. No, it was, it was uh, Uncle Buck was American sitcom television based on the 1989 film of the same name, starring Kevin Meany. Aired on CBS from September 10, 1990, to March 9, 1991. Kevin Meany starred as Buck, a slob who drinks, smokes, and named the guardian of his nieces Tia and Maisie and nephew Miles after their parents, Bob and Cindy, are suddenly killed in a car accident. The show was panned by critics... What a fun premise. Right. The show was panned by critics. After airing on Monday nights for two months, it was moved to Friday, an attempt for EBS to estab- CBS to establish comedy night swapping with Evening Shade, trying to battle with ABCs. Um, the ratings dropped from there sh- with strong competition from Full House and was canceled shortly after. Having only aired 16 episodes... Yeah. And leave several filmed episodes on air. I'm sorry.
2: Look, you're you're not trying to compete with full house at that point. It's we're going to lose this time slot, so let's throw this sack of shit in there until <laughs> it's dead in the water. Yeah, that's fine for With all show. due respect to everyone involved in the production, I'm sure you worked very hard. Yeah. But I mean, come on. It's Uncle Buck. Like Everyone knows it's John Candy. Like, if that's the case, like, you just come up with – take the exact same premise but change it up because the Uncle Buck name isn't
1: helping at that point. It's hurting it. Paul in the chat said Chicago paid for the publicity via PR firms. He said the city of Chicago has an entire office dedicated to convincing people to shoot their shows and movies in the city. Well, a lot of cities have that. Pennsylvania as a state has that. Uh, And they do it so well. They did for a while until Georgia and Atlanta took that prize <laughs> and became the second yeah. Hollywood. Because Pittsburgh, a lot of movies were being shot in Pittsburgh in the area.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, North Carolina, too. North Carolina was television mainly, but they also did some movies yeah. there. Oh, they still do a lot of television in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But everything That'd now is sick. shot in Atlanta. The do- everything. The Dawson. The Ninja Dawson. Turtles was in North Carolina. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, shall we move on to my next All one?
2: Right, but let's let's shall.
1: Speaking of Ninja Turtles. Hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja
0: Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Break is a party Ninja
1: Ninja 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 heroes in a half shell, turtle power. Heroes in a half shell, turtle power. This uh, uh got
2: me so hyped.
1: So I have all these I have a book, uh The Illustrated Guide to Everything Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So they immediately, after these toys became fucking huge, after uh, the deal with Playmates, um, the first ever action figure deal with Playmates um, to make Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figures, they needed to get them on um, television. So they decided to... That's why it was syndicated. uh, This uh, Fred Wolf of animation studio, Mirakami, Wolf, and Swenson... Uh, was the group that would go on to uh, do the show. And uh, Playmates funded the five-episode trial for a week-long syndication uh, like test pilot, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> Mirakami, Wolf, and Swenson did the first season of DuckTales, which also drew its inspiration from comic books. So they kind of were in... With them. Uh, the person who wrote this song, Squeezer, is now a huge, huge player in television. Uh, they approached a man named Chuck Lori to. No shit. Yes, to, be, to develop the show. He uh, would go on to make big hits as Two and a Half Men and Big Bang Theory, but he was unavailable, so he recommended David Wise who worked on He-Man and the Transformers and um, Wise wound up producing the show. But Chuck Lorre did uh, write the opening theme with DC Brown. And, you know, the we're really hip voice. Uh, that's Chuck Lorre doing the voice. Huh. I, I would still
2: argue, and no offense to anyone that likes those other shows, it's his best work.
1: <laughs> uh, I, 100%. 100% his best work. Just the open. But the open starts are really cool. Like when an open kind of tells sets the stage and tells a story, shows like a manhole blasting off with mm-hmm. these turtles and like the like the shadowy like smoke reveal of Michelangelo yeah. to pull and out to all. You gotta the admit,
2: the animation in the intro superior to you know the animation thrills, Oh yeah, they sure.
1: put all their money in the intro. And then yeah. uh you see the turtle van and there's very like anime style them flying out of the back of the turtle van in the rear view mirror, pulling all their weapons out, uh, as they pull out the, their color, their, their significant color, which they, they made the colors for the action figures alone. Cause they were all red, but they're like, we have to differentiate mm-hmm. them. So they put the letter of their name on their belt and they made them each of their own color. But, um, to have them all with the anime, the color anime style background, and then shredder like ripping the scene with his his cheese grater, it's just very showing splinter, uh, and then giving the giving you basically a, a, a breakdown of the personality that each turtle is gonna adopt in the show. Donatello's the machine nerd with his giant coffee maker. That's Squeezer. Raphael is hey. cool but brute. Uh, Leonardo. Oh, that
2: that's that's you
1: because Well you uh, I just coffee maker because you're a little French press you had in today. Hey, it,
2: it was there. I didn't want to eat that drink
1: that sludge. My brother like so I can Leonardo. have a nice
2: if I can have a nice pleasant cup of coffee in my office, yeah, I'm gonna have some French press.
1: And it's Michelangelo, it's a party, dude. Party. Uh but yeah, they really they really break down the entire uh well everything you need to know about the Ninja Turtles you can learn in that intro. Mm-hmm. And then you don't need yeah. to have any backstory.
2: Yeah. But it also doesn't get like old and stale either. Because it's quick enough, it's fun, and it's poppy. Kind of like going back to like perfect strangers, where the the theme is great, but they have to o- update the intro season after Because, season, like in the first two seasons it's all about like visually it's them like leaving their home and going to the city. Mm-hmm. By like season three, it's like, all right, we get it. Let's have them in the city, and it's, it opens up with them, them like on the boat. Like you didn't have to do that with turtles.
1: No. No, you did not. All right, Squeezer, your third pick, one of the biggest, probably the what a lot of people say is the best, greatest, greatest theme, song, theme of song of TV all time. ever. Here it is.
0: Making your way in the world today Takes everything you've got Taking a break from all your worries Sure would help a lot Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you wanna go Where everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came
1: kind of like the YouTube live chat here on round oh. Uh uh th- th- this
2: song it-, it takes me to a weird place like it makes me happy but also kind of like like brings me down a little. Uh, I-, I don't know what it I can't quite put my finger on it um, but it means a lot to me because this was that one song that well that represented that show. That, looking back in hindsight, is the only reason I can think my parents were married for the time that they were. I never watched Cheers ever. Oh, uh, see, I grew up on Cheers. I knew they it was there. Cheers. It was
1: always it was always in syndication. It was always on. I'd I'd wind up falling asleep with it on, and you know, but mm. never really watched it. But my parents loved Cheers,
2: and we would watch Cheers, and it's like the only thing that I can remember. Like, I, yeah, we went on, like, family trips, and we did family shit together. It was almost because, like, oh, we're family, so we got to go on a family trip together. But, like, Cheers was, like, it was, like, something that I they, like, they talked about. Yeah. And something that they did together. Like, oh, we're going to go watch Cheers. Like, the only other thing I can think of is, like, they would reminisce and tell me about, oh, how much they loved M.A.S.H., my And it's kinda of like one translate transitioned into the other. Like Mash ended and Cheers started. So they picked up on Cheers.
1: My parents watched Saturday Night Live together and they love that Land Shark joke. I still don't get it. Um Landshark. Yeah. Um but my dad made us all watch Married with Children together. My mom made us all watch Scarecrow and Mrs. King together. So That's a weird <laughs> show. Yeah. That's that's where I'm at in this.
2: That is that's that's a pull. Like the only reason I know that show exists is because of you on this show.
1: <laughs> also, a um, quick mention for Joe. He I saw I saw um, jo, Josh from OI had that was agreeing with Lasso, uh, but Joe the the Ken Griffey Max uh, re releases drop February fifteenth. Everybody from Nike wanted me to make sure I get that out there.
2: Uh, I got my sketchers. They're the S. It's, yes. I realized. I realized I'm getting old now. This is when it hit me. <laughs> you realize you get old I now. Not that I hurt every morning when I wake up, or I'm out of breath when I walk upstairs. That's just because I'm fat. Um, it's when I realized I've had these shoes now. Like I bought a new pair of sneakers like a month ago, mm-hmm. and it just hit me this morning that I still tie them when I put them on. Who tie? I never tie my shoes. I know. I just realized it. I'm like, oh my God, I'm old.
1: I'm tying my shoes. I tie mine once when I I buy them. I haven't tied
2: my sneakers in in 20, 30 years.
1: Well, I'm older than you. I still untie my shoes.
2: I know. Well, I'm breaking down faster than you. (laughs) Yeah, you tie them once and then you slip them on. Yeah. But I might have to force myself to do it. But I don't know why. It's just, well, they're nice and comfy and they're a little snug. I like it like that, but... I don't. Uh, I don't. I all of a sudden like it hit me like, oh my god, I'm an old man. Like I'm bending over tying my shoe, and it might have been because like my my guts like biting into my belt, and, like shh, tiny shoot. Oh my god, I'm tying my shoes. You it made old me very sad.
1: bastard.
2: All right, tomorrow it's gonna. I'm starting a new midlife crisis squeezer begins. I'm slipping my sneakers back on. There you go. Um, but yeah, the Cheers theme. Anyway, like. So the show is epic. It was nominated for an Emmy every year that it was on the air. The theme song was nominated for an Emmy um for original music in its debut year in the eighty-three uh Emmys, which was also the I want to say the thirty-fifth Emmy Awards. And you go back and try to find clips of the thirty-fifth Emmy Awards, cause there's a lot of controversy because it was considered very vulgar. Mm-hmm. Um, And this is why no one watches the Emmys now or any of those shows. Because it's so lame and structured and and just no interest whatsoever. And they bring in, like, the most typical hosts and just people fluffing themselves on TV. The 35th Emmy Awards was hosted by um, Eddie Murphy and Joan Rivers.
1: I had to be hysterical.
2: If Eddie... I would watch today, if you go... The the 2021 Emmy Awards will be hosted by Eddie Murphy and Joan Rivers. I sure as hell, I'm gonna tune in again. Right, because how and, they and how Joan they Rivers is bring her back funnier. From... Right now than anyone in the last thirty years. Joan... I, and I'm not even talking like a, a like one of those uh, Tupac holograms. I'm talking a rotting corpse mm. would be funnier. Than anyone else that toasted this show since then.
1: Joan Rivers, uh, this was probably like th- three years before she passed. I worked at one of her shows and we're on stage with her and she's just going over her beats and she can't help but just crack jokes and be hysterical. And mm-hmm. I can't even repeat the joke she said that it was just horribly funny because it was just wrong in so many ways. <laughs> but and then she made Johnny come out on stage and lift her up onto the piano and you see. Big Johnny's fat ass hanging like his, and his gut hanging his out. Gut hanging <laughs> <John> out <River. laughs> uh, lifting Joan Rivers as she tries to like hump him up onto the, the piano. Uh, but she was hysterical. Yeah, and Eddie Murphy's one of the funniest motherfuckers alive, so yeah.
2: Yeah. And this is 83. Like he's
1: hot. He's like still. Hot.
2: March was <sighs> it?
1: March 15th. Coming to America too.
2: Yeah. Um anyway, so. It was nominated. It lost to some George Burns GE Theater show. Like, how, how the hell that happens? I don't know. Yeah. But it's one of those things where, all right, you lose the big one, but you go down in history as the winner.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. Okay, this song's so epic, and there's so many versions of it. There's the longer one, then there's this like the medium one, then there's a the short one where it just kind of kicks right in. You, you don't like that one. No. The, the middle one's the best. Yeah. Um, the 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 longer one was actually released for. Um, album purposes um uh gary portnoy uh wrote and performed it he did like some some theater and stuff and uh, a friend of his sent the recordings to la and eventually um uh the producers of cheers um what the hell's their name Uh, uh glenn and les charles they they caught it and like oh we like this do this but a little different and they did. They went through a couple different revisions, and then like the third or fourth one, like that's it. Just change these few lyrics, so they guess it was really specific. Like it, it was like it was all about Boston. Like they mentioned like the Red Sox in the song, and they're like, let's let everyone enjoy this. Um, but it goes down being like, it's a monster. It's considered. It's been voted before. It's the number one theme song of any you know tv show of all time i don't disagree um it's just so catchy and it's fun and it really fits well with the visuals of it like those old like plate style paintings Mm. like turn the century style and then leading into the show itself it still feel like that vibe it works with it like everything like kind of um blends uh perfectly you know it, it just it's the perfect combination of the the visually open the song and then leading into the show itself uh it, it just works well, so well together oh and portnoy also when also did uh my one of the songs shows on my list he
1: also did mr belvedere so okay we are moving on I am next. This one, I know you said in the last pick that you thought Cheers was the greatest theme song of all time. I beg to differ.
0: Previously on X Men.
1: Now, when I was a kid, the the, the theme for X Men, and now even today, it was just so good. The cartoon was so good, but that mm-hmm. theme was just—you heard that theme, it got you pumped up. Chills, chills,
2: instant, like it, you, your head snapped.
1: Now, I consulted a book I got from Eric LeWald called "Previously on X Men: The Making of the Animated Series." Eric Ooh, LeWald a is a was one of the premier writer producers in youth oriented animated television with over 500 produced credits. He's been a showrunner on 13 series, including ExoSquad, Squ- Exo Robocop, Ooh. Alpha Commander, the Commando, Beetlejuice, Mummies Alive, Street Fighter, the animated series, and Young Hercul- Hercules, uh, starring a Oscar nominee Ryan Gosling.
0: Eric There's has it. been a
1: studio executive and has helped run a world-renowned Italian motorcycle shop. He's also nominated for an <laughs> Emmy Award. He considers X-Men the animated series his favorite job ever and he wrote and and personalized this book. Best wishes, Eric Loatini. to me. Shit, I'd get just for Exo Squad, man. That was a work of art. So, I consulted to the page 79 in the book getting the opening titles music right. He says, "We all love the opening title music now." Da 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 da. That's actually in quotes in the book. We can't get it get out of our heads. And he said, why it was later modified for the worse in the fifth season, I have no idea. Do we know mm-hmm. that? Did you know that?
2: It might be one of those things you don't remember because...
1: Kind of falling out of kinda,
2: it. You kind of fall, fall out of it by then.
1: X-Men season five, hold on. Season... Five
2: theme. Oh no, I don't want to. I don't want. We're I gonna mean, listen to it I right wanna, now. I, I was in a perfect little bubble. I didn't think anything of it. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember
0: that.
2: Ugh. You know what this needs? More whiny guitar. Yeah. Okay,
1: hey, let's go get. And they took effect, out like Mr. Bucket. That's that noise.
2: So unnecessary. You no. Know, you know what that was? That was a new producer coming in and trying to put their fucking stamp on something that was already perfect.
1: That's what he said. He said, money question mark? People need to fiddle, I guess. We ah, have
2: I didn't even read your book.
1: Yes. We have Will and Sidney's Perseverance and uncredited composer Ron Wasserman's talent to thank for it. Now they were getting this produced by Saban International Music. Saban, the the group that does music for the Power Rangers, scene, for instance. Um, yep. another thing Saban uh, was involved in a lot of things. So they kept um, they uh, Saban scored as he quote says quick throwaway stuff for other throwaway shows. They handed in something more little kid like and Will and Sydney said no, try again. 10 tries more? No, try again. Nasty phone calls ensued. We were rejecting perfectly good music because it wasn't right. Try again. Saban has never dealt with a show as ambitious as ours and never had the pain in the ass client that cared so much. <laughs> so then he went on to spe- speak with uh, Will uh, and the uncredited composer Ron Wasserman. He said, let's talk about the music. I know you had a big hand in it. They said you went through 20 different versions. He said it was at least 20 different versions. And um, now, this is a part that I found interesting. Uh, one of the things that was consistently on everybody's mind was that Batman, the animated series, because Batman was in production for like a year and a half ahead of us. And even though they only went on air three months sooner, they had enough time to think about it. Where we just hit the bricks running and get the show out. They had that Danny Elfman style score and they had the, the more symphonic music. Uh even though the network fuck was pressuring us to go more Batman, it was just wrong for the Marvel properties. I believe I talked about this with Sydney that my theory was we had to be the anti-Batman because we only had half or a third as much production money as they did, depending on who you believe about the budgets. Even with the music, I decided that we needed to be the hip one. We have a modern sounding sc- we we'd have a modern sounding score and we'd have a theme that was catchy that had some musical hooks that said X-Men in your head when you saw the logo. Logo. Um, wow, well, they nailed that. Yeah. Uh, so they just kept getting crap back from Saban. And finally, I guess, uh, when the, the, this, this Ron Wasserman put something, he got like a bass note from some guy from a band. Then he added more drums, a gong, and a track. And it wound up being 120 tracks deep. Yeah. Um, and uh, they, they said Batman was cool jazz, X-Men was garage band <laughs> and then in the book there's uh, the 44 second uh, setting up the team shot so it, it goes on to say shot one and gives you an explanation of all the shots like X-Men logo in space, shot two more space logo action, shot three exploding X, shot four <laughs> Cyclops, shot five fire force transition, like it gives you all this, this cool breakdown And there's, there's pictures of scripts and like, I mean, it's not like, it's not full color, like glossy, like some books are, but it's, it's very in depth and it's um, a pretty good book uh, that goes in depth about creating this wonderful show that we all love. But I thought it was interesting that over 20 takes it took to get this song right. And how at the time when we were kids, we compared the two Batman and and X-Men, because they came out so close Like those were the two shows, and I love Batman, but I Mm -hmm. got way more into X Men, and I was like, "Fuck Batman!" I don't, I if I missed it, I didn't even care. Now I think Batman animated series is much more nuanced because as I'm an older person, I'm more into it. But as a kid, X Men got my attention, and I became fully like I was kind of confused at first because they didn't use the exact lineup they were using in the comics at the time. I was like, "Who the fuck is this Jubilee?" You know what I mean? I didn't. And Gambit wasn't even that big. But Gambit became my favorite fucking character. And Gambit and Rogue and, and like that lineup became like the fucking X Men lineup. So much that they that started.
2: Was the, the cartoon. Yeah. They, they, the comics took from the show.
1: Well, yeah. They, um, they, they start, they made X Men Adventures, which was based on that lineup. And this, the art yeah. style kind of went with it. But then the, the, um, the, the Jim Lee books and Kenny X-Men started going towards building the age of apocalypse, which would go on to give a more and, and like Mick Gambit, a fucking superstar.
2: Yeah. And same thing like with to- the toy biz figures as well. Like do you notice the influence there.
1: So that there's chapters on this in the whole book. Um, hold on. It's, it's, uh, it's funny. Stan Lee wanted to narrate the show. Like he did the original one. Hmm. That one, that Kitty, Kitty pride one, pride of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. You can find it on YouTube. And they had, they're like, one of the, the titles is called How Can You Say No to Stan Lee? <laughs> and then, um, Fourth Crisis, a merchandising in- interference.
2: I, I think what also helped it, too, and for us, which made it so cool, I'm, I'm trying to, I don't want to just pull this out of my, because G.I. Joe did, like, um, you know, like they had arcs. Um, like, you know, like, four-show arcs. But, like, X-Men was the first real big serial.
1: Yeah, they did the no, full... That's what, they did especially the, they...
2: what differentiated it from Batman.
1: Right, they did, com- like, full comic books, like, arcs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So here's... Hold on. Um, where's the one where they talked wait, about? Wait, wait. You're
2: saying that if you're going to do, you know, Dark Phoenix, you can't just do it in an hour and... Forty-five minutes in a movie, along with three other storylines.
1: God, that movie was fucking awful. The co- the anime series was so much better. At doing Dark oh, Phoenix. They, yeah. Okay, merchandise. Paging
2: with the rad years.
1: Page, yeah, I'm actually Turn. reading books. Not uh, usually, I get your information. Every,
2: every everyone thinks it's just it's just fully work. No, right, he's actually turning pages, folks. Right, an actual paper that came from trees. He murdered trees. To uh, to provide us with this information. Okay, you want to hear many, about the. Mer- many Bothans died.
1: <laughs> okay, so merchandising is usually a huge deal in production and popular culture. It said the the single biggest mistake a movie studio ever made was when Fox granted George Lucas the rights to Star Wars merchandising in exchange for a small cut in f- his fee, saving perhaps fifty thousand in expense for five billion. When he started in TV in 1985, there were only three television networks and the money they paid to independent production companies like Hanna-Barbera or Filmation or Marvel Productions would cover the entire cost of making the shows. Money from repeat airing from shows would help with profits and failed development then, merchandise, and everything later. Hold on, let me see where he's getting at this. He says... The problem comes when merchandise, merchandisers fully, foolishly believe they need to mess with the creative content of the show. This is always bad for both parties. Just as I know how to free up space at Walmart or position myself on Amazon to showcase a new toy, merchandisers have no—he cl- he doesn't know. Merchandisers have no clue how to make a good TV show. Um, I thought we would dodge a bullet on X Men. Uh, but will may who we calls a nasty could have cost him his job fight over that. Marvel sent us over their merchandise catalog of bedsheets and drapes and walkie talkies. I had a very, very bad run in with one of Marvel's henchmen. I'm sure I know who this is, whom I'll leave nameless. He made a, a, a deal with McDonald's in Australia to do some God awful X-Men vehicle food giveaways there were giant head figures and poorly designed vehicles. And Marvel <laughs> insists that you put these in every episode.
2: Wait! Wait! They wanted giant head cars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, notes.
1: So yeah, I love notes. I'm telling you flat out that this show is regulated by the FCC. I'm not going to put some stupid McDonald's fast food toys to humor you guys.
2: Yeah, especially at that point where the the pressure was on. Like at, at this point, like the Hold they on. were starting to crack down on the. Uh, The He-Mans and the the cartoon marketing of programming. Because you could easily stick up for X-Men and say, look, this is not just a commercial for action figures. This is a quality program.
1: I'm sure it was. Hold on. I'm not sure if he was the head of Marvel then. Let me see. Oh, are you gonna throw this guy under the bus? Yep, it was Isaac. I, I, Ike I, I Perlmutter. I'm sure. I'm. I'll, give, I'll bet money it was Ike Perlmutter. Mutter. As soon as he said, as soon as he said, uh, I'll leave their name out of it. I'm like, oh, it's Ike Perlmutter, who almost derailed uh, Marvel films until he went to Disney and said, Kevin Feige went to Disney and said, this guy has to not have any input. And um, oh
2: God, they listen to Kevin.
1: Yeah. Make, uh, they're like, are you sure you won't put the toys in? Because Marvel's saying that they will have the show pulled from Graz if we do not put these toys in. And then we might have to fold the studio and we could all be out of work.
2: <laughs> For a couple McDonald's toys. Mm-hmm. I like how they think that that's how they're going to sell those toys. Like, if if, if kids watch the show and they don't see those, like, oh, they're not going to go buy it. It's a Happy Meal with a fucking giant X-Men head in a car. I'm going to get it.
1: Oh, maybe keep it was... it
2: out of my show.
1: Maybe it was even Avi Arad who did My only memory of the toys was that Avi Arad had a Marvel's toy supplier called later. I never had to go through any of that with any of that. Later, I had to sit down with Avi and one of his aides. They had walkie-talkies designed where one had a cyclops head and one had a wolverine head. And Avi said, you can at least use the walkie-talkies. And I said, no, we can't. Because in what universe would Avi Arad use a walkie-talkie that has Avi Arad's head on it? So it wasn't like It was Avi Arad. (laughs) So if you notice like the early Marvel movies, Avi Arad's a a producer along with Stan Lee. Mm Mm-hmm. Would I use a walkie-talkie that had my hand in it? No, there's no sense in it. If you want an audience to take the show seriously, we can't do this. Then they had X-Men bedding, and it's like, no, we're not going to have X-Men drapes in the mansion. <laughs> what superhero? It's
2: Batman. That's very Batman 66.
1: Yeah, what superhero is going to sleep in his own jammies? So that's funny. But this is a good book. I highly recommend it. It's called Previously on X-Men, The Making of the Animated Series by Eric LeWald. Nice. Books, kids. Moving on. Mr. Squeezer, your fourth pick.
2: this makes me so happy. I
1: I love this song.
2: I love this show. Yeah, um we, we can't say who
1: I, what what names were behind this show.
2: Yeah, it's a really creepy intro cuz um uh there's a little company um so David Noma's a a Spanish show derived from a Dutch book that was uh, brought to America and developed and produced by
1: a serial by rapist. a little company. <laughs> in,
2: let's just call it. Let's just call them Miramax.
1: Yes. Um, names of the parents of a of serial rapist. The worst. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. His
2: name's right there. My entire childhood, I'm staring at that guy's name.
1: Uh, one of my um, favorite, a few of my favorite movies in my entire life have his name at the front of them. So.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Um but David the Gnome was brought to American audiences via Nickelodeon and it ran for a good number of years, uh at least I want to say 7-8 years. I didn't know there was only 24 episodes produced. So, 24 episodes uh syndicated across 7 years. You're going to see some reruns, folks. Um but the theme song is, one, it's adorable. Two, it actually, and don't get me wrong, I love Perfect Strangers, but whereas that song has nothing to do with it, this song hits all the fun beats and mentions all the shit that they got to do. There's gnomes, there's trolls, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, And I always thought, you listen to this song, I want to see a live action 1980s version of David did but like, like this is what they're playing while he's training. This is his Rocky four song. Hmm. It's so upbeat. It's so fun. Um, and like, he's got his bag and he's like, uh, he's got the heart. He's got to ride the Fox. And I love Foxes. They're adorable. This song, just it, this hearing this and, and watching the intro. I melt. I become, whereas, uh, I kind of, you know, I, I reminisce. I like my nostalgia in it. But something about, like, David and Gnome, this song, I immediately go back into little kid mode. Like, I'm there. Uh, I, I I adore it. And even though I was, like, I was 88. So I was, like, 5, 6, 7. So even then, like, I, I might have been just out of the target audience for this show. Whereas, like, you'd think David would Gnome's more for, like, a three, four, five year old But, I don't know. I I love this show. And because it also didn't talk down the kids. Right. Yeah. It basically told you that humans are evil, you're destroying the world, trolls suck, and we have gnomes that are going to get us out of it.
1: That is true. So,
2: if there are any gnomes listening, um, please come help. Hmm. <laughs> And come with this awesome song. Uh, And then I went through and I'm like, oh, I'm going to dig up all the whole, you know, the background, who produced it, who wrote the song and stuff. And the problem is, it's a Spanish show. So I don't know anyone that, you know, did it. So this guy, uh, who's responsible for writing it, he also uh, produced the music for uh, uh, Musicians of Bremen. Uh, David Nome, Los Tratamanios and the Eurovision Song Contestio in 1992, and Quantum Mayo. I I don't know. I, I I just it sounds racist. Just me trying to mm. say it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was performed by Norman Rooks. I was I was gonna. I didn't want to bother our our hockey broadcaster friends but it's spelled G-R-O-U-L-X I'm gonna guess I'm gonna go with Grow sure Norman Grow okay kinda like Patrick Waugh Norman Grow even though it's Grox. but you know they come up with fun names over there uh he performed it and uh yeah that's all I got it was a hockey name joke I got but you're killing it with I, the jokes I, tonight. I'm kill, yeah. Oh, I got the shtick left and right. But this is, and again, all my songs have a very it's either up, deep meaning or completely stuck in my head that they don't, you know, can't come out. Whereas Cheers is very important to me, uh, and you know, sticks in your head. Whereas David and Gnome also very important to me, very mushy, childlike feeling, like, like, it's like that warm pillow. But I will walk through the halls, just kind of humming pretending I'm riding a fox on my way to bandage a bunny. You are adorable. So when you see me walk, so when you see me walking down the hall, and I have that glassy-eyed look in my eyes, um, which is normal, assuming it's not work drinking, assuming it's right now I'm role-playing David the Gnome in my head. Ah, perfect. Good or to I know. I
1: talk to Captain. <laughs> Moving on, my uh, fourth pick.
0: It's kind of strange. You look at half a lady range. I can't be sad unless you're Or have you been?
1: Hey, Sandy, did you talk back? Ah oh, man, Polaris, the fake band that would make some of the greatest real music. <laughs> um, so, I mean, if anybody out there knows Pete and Pete, uh, the creators summed up the show in four words, funny, sad, weird, and beautiful. And fuck, man. I love, I was so into this show and its weirdness and existentialism and uh, it, it, it lined right up with a lot of things that Nickelodeon started hitting right in the mid to late 90s with SNICK, like treating mm-hmm. us like more grown up than we deserve to be treated. Yes. Which made us think, and I was obsessed with Pete and Pete. And I remember downloading this MP3 off LimeWire years ago because it was so hard to get a copy of Polaris because there wasn't a real band. Um, the music was done uh, for the show by Miracle Legion, and they didn't know what they wanted to do for the open, and finally they're like, we'll just film you in the yard here. And they're like, well, we should kind of make up this fake band. Uh, and... Um, Harris Polaris is uh, uh, the uh, the drummer Scott Potier. He's really not Harris Polaris, and uh, Muggy and Jersey are all not their real names. It's um, uh, the three Mark Mocani and uh, Dave McCaffrey and Scott Potier of Miracle Legion, and they've wound up being more famous for Polaris almost. They were for their actual band. So much so that in 2012 in Los Angeles, they did a one-off show. And then in 2014, I went to uh, their show in uh, Lincoln Hall um, where they played uh, the music of P&P, Polaris. I even have their autographed uh, record, vi- vinyl that was just released over the yeah, summer. Yeah. Finally, got, You see it sitting in my office.
2: Yeah, that's why even when I made my list, I wrote down Pete and Pete with like a little like asterisk next to it. Mm -hmm. Like not that it was my pick, but I just wanted to make sure you you're doing Pete and Pete, right?
1: Yeah, this is one of my favorite songs of all time, not just theme songs. Like I have this on Mm -hmm. playlists, just like I have. I can't even tell that from the end of Clerks by Soul Asylum. It's one of my favorite songs of all times, not just a, a song from a television show. Um, it, it's just like it's so irreverent and like the open is, is just classic Pete and Pete who they decide to give credit to in the open Pete obviously Pete uh, mom and mom's plate in her head <laughs> dad <laughs> uh, Ellen Artie the world's strongest man and Petunia the tattoo Little Pete has on his arm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Will McRobb and Chris Viscardi created pretty much one of the most irreverent, amazing shows. Um I don't know. It's there's so much angst nineties angst in it with older Pete and this, this music from Polaris just I don't know, it just sets the tone for that so well. Yeah, that's a good piece of vinyl to have, Sean. Uh, the Adventures of P and P and um, Polar I I hope Polaris gets together and does another because sh- the the show's really good. They do like some songs from Sesame Street. They do other covers that are really good. Um, and that, you know to see them in a small club in New- uh, Philadelphia was actually pretty fun. So uh, yeah. Who cares about Miracle Legion? We want to see uh, Polaris live in concert. Once concerts get back into full swing. yes, drinks.
2: Let's see concerts. Yeah, let's see concerts.
1: Hmm. All right, Squeezer. Your final pick.
2: Wow. Oh, this is your guy's fault. Mm-hmm. You rock, you win.
0: I'm standing at the edge of Today, 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 today. Um, Is this
1: the shortest <laughs> amount of time a song has been played back to back on the ran years? Hold on, one was I. I didn't talk the theme song, but I used this to talk about the show like four shows ago, right?
2: Uh, it, it, yeah, it was but what caught me was it wasn't even it wasn't even that it was last show in the chat. No, it, w- it, was in, it was
1: in the Instagram chat.
2: Oh, it was the Instagram chat? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it was the Instagram chat. Um, and I saw that. And by reading, just reading, standing at the edge of tomorrow, I'm like, fuck. And it's one of those things where it just burrows in your, your mind. And for the last week, the last week, I've there's been in my head.
1: It was either... I've just been singing it. It was either old fall memories or weekends when we were kids. I think it was old fall memories so
0: 203
1: Mm -hmm. so that's actually 15 shows ago but it feels like it was just yesterday
2: yeah it was yesterday Well, it's I mean it's only three months really three four three and a half months some shit like that (laughs) I don't know how months work but uh, yeah this has been stuck in my head since then because that's all it really takes is you drop in one or two lines of you know lyrics from a song and and my brain basically turns to motion, I get absolutely nothing done.
1: Well hit us up with some backstory, squeeze.
2: Uh, well there isn't much. Although so here's my here's my debate. So it was it was written by Jonathan Wolf. And I don't know if you're familiar with Jonathan Wolf. Nope. Okay. So you've never seen Malcolm and uh watch Malcolm and Eddie? Nope. King of Queens? Nope. Caroline the City?
1: Nope. Yes, I actually did watch that.
2: Okay. Unhappily Ever After?
1: What's Unhappily Ever After? Is that the one with uh, the puppet? The yeah. Yes, I did watch that. With the hot girl oh, no. and the puppet?
2: Uh. And the kid, and E from... Yeah, it's the one with the puppet. And it had E That's from
1: uh, Entourage on it. It was a little brother.
2: <clears throat> uh, Kevin Connolly? Yeah. 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 Nikki Cox is who you're Nikki thinking Cox, of.
1: yes. Yes, I yeah, watched that, that show one. all... That was like WB's version of um, Married with Children.
2: Yeah. Well, he also scored some episodes of Married with Children. Oh. Uh, Boston Common? Nope. Oh. Uh, Seinfeld.
1: I wanted to pick that for the list, but next show.
2: Yeah. No, um... Yeah, Jonathan Wolf is a monster. Uh, did Will and Grace? Um, also scored like Scott Pilgrim vs. World for getting Sarah Marshall. Uh, oh, I love forgetting Sarah Marshall. Reba, like he, the guy's done a, a ton of shows. Um, and then it was produced by uh, uh or not produced. Uh, he produced uh Rick Risso, uh, who um. Uh, his genre consists of... I, I bet you know him. He is in the Christian gospel um, uh, field now. I oh, guess. God. My favorite field. field. Yeah, your favorite your favorite genre of music. I never got that. Because it's not a genre.
1: It's what Hank Hill said when they talked about Christian rock. He's like, you're not making uh, Christianity better. You're making rock and roll worse. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Like, I, I never got why that was a genre. It's not a genre. It's just, like, rock, is it? You can have Christian rock. It's not a genre. You can have Christian rap. Rap's a genre. Rock's a genre. Like, you don't have, like, satanic rock. That's just rock. Anywho, yeah, he all, he he performed it. And here, here's where I want I want to get in this. And you guys, oh no! And I want to go back and watch Unhappily Ever After. I really did like that show. Um, I would argue. Don't be mad at me now. Okay. The original theme to "Saved by the Bell" is iconic. It's it goes down like you hear it. The theme everyone that our age with plus or minus five years. Dare I say, use the word "generation"? Knows that theme song. I would argue, though, that the, uh, from technical point, the theme to "Saved by the Bell" the college years is a better song. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was hoping you'd like argue and we could oh. go back and forth. Hold and on, I'm thinking, I mean. and then I lose. Of course, but you don't want to for the show. But when I wake up in the morning and the
1: moment's in the morning, I don't think I'll ever make it time. By the time I hit the books and I give myself a look, I'll in the corner and see the bus bye-bye. It's all right, because I'm saved by the bell. I never understood what saved by the bell meant. Oh, it's because you were such a great student. You were always in
2: class in time. <laughs> also, by the time we were in school, we didn't have bells. It was like so you, a We had a chime. chime. Like a yeah.
1: Yeah, but how do you get saved by it if you're late?
2: Saved by the boop.
1: No, how do you get saved by the any noise if you're late?
2: That's a good point. Saves. Uh... Well, well, I, I mean, like in like, I look at like at, like Biff ready to punch Marty in the face, like he was like saved by the bell because like Strickland showed up. So like it works in that sense. Like oh, like or like I let's say, let's say uh like i'm 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 walking down the hall and some big dumb Ofi guy comes by and he's like hey you know that email you sent me i'm like yeah and he's like the thing it said in it yeah you want me to do that yeah okay
1: Should all right do Okay. that yes. okay, okay and then, and all then right, my phone rings
2: okay. and i go Whew, saved by the bell
1: all right <laughs> jokes aren't your thing tonight it's all right
2: wow you know what all right. Hurtful. Hashtag <laughs> oh, <Ryan. laughs> <laughs>
1: second um, The second verse makes more sense. If the teacher pops a test, I know I'm in a mess, and my dog ate all my homework last night. Ride alone in my chair. She won't know that I'm there. If I can hand it in tomorrow, it'll be all right. It's all right because I'm saying about the bell. The first— but you, Wait. Wait, no, no. It doesn't make sense because why,
2: why is the teacher handing you a test at the end of class? Why can you take the test home with you and finish it and hand it in tomorrow?
1: And what does your dog eating all your homework last night have to do with popping a test? I feel like they just... And the first line, I thought it said mom gives out a warning. It's alarm, as in taking the A off alarm. When I wake up in the morning and the alarm gives out a warning, I don't think I'll ever make it on time. Okay, that right. makes sense so far. No, this saw this theme is garbage. The new the college year theme wins. You win an argument.
2: Woohoo! Look at that. I'll take I'll take a bunch of flat jokes and no <laughs> shtick and you <laughs> shitting on me and hurting my self esteem <laughs> for one small little victory.
1: Ah uh, It's nice, isn't it? Yeah. What are the lyrics to Col- say about the bell the college years? theme lyrics that's a lot to type yeah it was i
2: quite a bit Uh, i had him here somewhere oh i think i'm i standing at the edge of tomorrow
1: and it's all to me how far i go i'm standing at the edge of this could be the theme for those tom cruise movies
2: oh that's i have that there's a note for that
1: so i've never seen such a view before a new world before my eyes so much for me to explore it's where my future lies that's not a bad one. I like. Okay, I give you the yeah. The win. Uh, who is it? Bad movie
2: drinking game. Was it this?
1: Today, 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 today.
2: Yes, you're right. You nailed it. So I was actually watching this before the show. Uh, so bad movies drinking game on YouTube. They have it cut together. They take the trailer for standing for edge of tomorrow but they call it standing at the edge of tomorrow saved by the bell the college years in parentheses and at one point it just kicks in and it's the edge of tomorrow trailer Hmm. with the theme song to Saved by the bell the college years and it's it might not be the greatest thing on the internet but it's quite enjoyable if you're listening to this show you nailed it i was thinking about it too and I stumbled across it, and it actually makes that movie more enjoyable.
0: Hmm.
1: But yeah, I, I think it's a better song. By all by all accounts, people say that movie's fantastic. Really,
2: I just
1: I never saw it get, though.
2: I didn't see it. He just get so tired. He jumped on the couch on Oprah, and, and after that, I'm like, uh eh. I watch him in Mission Impossible, except for like the last two because I don't get to go to the movies anymore. But you said they're good.
1: Um, what's
2: that? Mission Impossible.
1: Oh, they are good. Yeah, they are good. Yeah, you were all about it, yeah. Yeah, they're fun. And I still think the first one's one of the best, like... Oh my God, when we watched the first one it, in the... It's still one,
2: I I, I would argue, it's like one of the best movies. Like, it's just perfect. It, as far as a spy thriller, it's phenomenal. Because it's, it's just convoluted enough.
1: When when I was a kid, I didn't get it as much. No. So, um, like, it it didn't make as much sense to me, but I rewatched it. Even the broadcast version, I rewatched on the CBS Sunday Night Movie, and I was fucking into every second of it. Like, this is really good.
2: It's perfectly paced, um, and the the plot actually works. Whereas uh, a lot of those other, like, those spy thrillers, they make it so convoluted. Right.
1: This one is grounded in something that's real. They could give out that list of names. Yes. There's a knocklist.
2: A knocklist. Yeah. That is a real
1: thing. Yeah. Yeah, so that was really cool. And,
2: and it was also before he went complete, um, uh, John McClane post, uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Like, where everything he did was somewhat believable. All right, he jumped off a helicopter onto the train. That's kind of crazy. But other than that, it's like, all right, I could see him do a couple ninja moves and, like, you know, float down over the over the floor and shit. Mm-hmm. You know, but then, and now, same thing, like, Die Hard. It's like, you know doing some crazy shit, jumping off the roof with a fire hose. And the next thing you know, Die Hard 4, he's running on the wing of a Harrier jet. So, you know. They always got to one-up themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. I get it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sorry, um, soapbox. That's quite all right. That was your last pick. My last pick, Squeezer, I didn't have anywhere to do research on. So I'm just going to make fun of it. Uh, but you apparently did research on it already because you've talked about the writer already. Uh, Here's my last pick.
2: I don't know what this is.
0: Whatever happened to predictability? The milkman, the paper boy, evening TV. Did I get delivered here? Somebody tell me, please.
1: Everywhere you look Of somebody who needs you Are oh, you just trying to win over this? Right we lost out there and you're all alone A light is waiting to carry you Everywhere you fucking look, oh god, look at that lunch and picnic. It's fucking awful. Ski bop be-bopping all over at the end. <laughs> uh, that was the extended, we have to get every single cast member on because it's part of their contract now. Version of the open. That was when those two fucking twin boys were getting a credit. Fucking John Stamos, Bob Saget, Dave Couye, Candace Cameron, Jody Sweden, Larry Laughlin, who's in prison, Andrea Barber. Blake and Dylan, Tomei Wilhout, Ashley, Mary Kate Olsen, and then they had to show all the the scenes where they're just kind of vaguely looking at the camera and smiling. Everywhere you like Bob Saget's walking up one of the hills of San Francisco, and he's not sweating and out of breath. Dave Coulier is on rollerblades. They smile, smile. It's it's almost it it's it's just. Oh, sorry. Squeezer was potted down. Sorry, I potted you down, Squeezer, instead of the commercial. Oh, it's all good. Oh. Um, Jody Sweden, who I had a major crush on as a kid, is just still do. Yeah, Lori, uh, because of her meth addiction, she's clean now. She's, she's polite. <laughs> Lori Laughlin might develop one in prison. Uh, Andrea nah, it's, Barber. It's only like three months. Did you watch the Fuller House show on Netflix? Uh,
2: one episode. Mrs. Squeezer watched them all. I, I caught... I didn't even watch the whole episode. I caught a little bit. I'm like, I'm out.
1: I didn't watch a second of it.
2: Nah, it was a little too...
1: If Mary-Kate um, and Ashley Olsen aren't in it, I'm not fucking interested.
2: They, it, it was, um...
1: Even though... It's like they
2: tried...
1: Their seemingly more talented sister... Elizabeth stars in yeah, Division premiering Friday on Disney Plus.
0: Well,
2: it's a different kind of talent. They got their own like whole like, you know, uh, fashion label and all that kind of shit. They're they're busy little bees there. They kind of so fell, fell off the face of the planet. Movies, I'm gonna well in in your world because but like I'm I'm sure like holy shit they're, they're
1: 34 doing, like, years old.
2: Purses. Well, yeah us thirty years old.
1: I know it's just weird. Isn't one of them dating some weird old guy too?
2: I think they both are. Like I said, fashion world.
1: And wasn't one yeah, of them I mean, like giving drugs to Heath Ledger when they found him dead?
2: Uh, allegedly, I don't know.
1: Allegedly.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I think Sean's right. I think uh, what Aunt Becky's out. I think I I think Hubby's going in. Like they, like they had a little rotation. Oh, Massimo. Like so, that, like, so that they, uh, the, the kid that they paid to have to go to college isn't alone without a parent, you know, cause that, that's what other, you know, all the other kids, when their parents go to jail across the country, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh, well, mom's in jail now, you know, we can't send dad to jail till mom gets out. Cause you know, that's how it works. And you know, poor communities.
1: Olsen was a close friend of late actor Heath Ledger. After discovering Ledger unconscious in his bed on January 22nd, 2008, his massage therapist called Olsen twice before contacting the police. Olsen sent a private security guard to the scene. Which one? Uh, one. Mary Kate.
2: Which one is that?
1: The blonde the one. The one that
2: looks like Ashley or the one that looks like Mary Kate?
1: Um, responding to a claim by an anonymous law enforcement officer that she would speak to, she would not speak to federal investigations without promise of legal immunity. Olson's attorney, Michael C. Miller said, we have provided the government relevant information regarding facts of chronology of events surrounding Mr. Ledger's death. Yes. So she definitely gave him the drugs.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not laughing at that. That's awful.
1: Wait, she was in weeds? I don't remember her in weeds. She played Tara, Lindman, and Weeds. Fuck, I don't remember that at all. (laughs) Huh. But now their sister is a megastar playing.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Scarlet Witch. So that's something.
0: Yeah.
1: <sighs>
2: yeah, but they were in. It takes two.
1: They were in so many. My my sister was obsessed with them and their stupid yeah, movies. Yeah, so was mine. <laughs> yeah. All their uh, they they had they probably had about four billion and a half movies. I saw just a little heads up. Our, our my fr- a friend of mine. Ian Riccaboni, he is the play-by-play guy for um, Ring of Honor Wrestling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He has a, a micro brawler now. I got to get on Ring of Honor store, get it, uh, to remind me of back in the day when I would drive when we were doing Philly's Nation, and Ian had a story idea, and I I'd drive out to out by the South Mall. To this guy's house and for Ian and helped Ian work like the basics of doing a stand up and stuff. He he had natural talent. I was just helping him with like logistic camera stuff. But uh, now he's doing awesome as the lead play by play announcer. He's like the Joey Styles of Ring of Honor and he has a micro baller. So if you're a fan of Ian Riccaboni and Ring of Honor, pick that up on their Ring of Honor merchandise. I'm going to get mine because it's someone I know. I'm like, I know Ian. Like, fucking. You got to start kind of with us. Because <laughs> they came to me and they're like, hey, can we put Philly's Nation on your TV? I'm like, sure. I convinced the idiot in charge at the time to put it on.
2: Oh, yeah, I remember that show. Yeah. No shit. Mm-hmm. Small world.
1: Yeah, so Ian's been killing it for years as the Ring of Honor play-by-play guy. and uh... Nice. So if you're a fan of Ring of Honor, pick one of those guys up. Show some Allentown love to an Allentown homeboy, Ian Riccobani. Uh, But that's it, Squeezer. We've gone for a long freaking time, mainly about television theme songs. I've, re- <laughs> I've read to you some night stories to put you to sleep. And yes. um, Squeezer's kind of told some bad jokes. You know...
2: <laughs> I, what did you I, say I, it I was?
1: You said it wasn't a joke. What did you say it was?
2: Uh... A humorous anecdote. Humorous anecdote. Along those lines? It was.
1: You're very handsome yeah. and sweet.
2: Thanks. Always comes in handy on the
1: podcast. <laughs> and you're funny too, but it's, it's more funny to tell you your joke f- flopped.
2: Oh, no. It's. I. Look, I'm not saying I'm funny. I don't. I try sometimes, and again, I am well aware. Humor is merely just a self defense mechanism to defuse <laughs> situations and to try to get people to like me. Because really, all I want is for people to like me. Oh
1: so. well, I like you, and they, all the ratomaniacs like you, Squeezer. Well, good,
2: good. Or if, even if they don't like me, just like you less. You know, it's, um, <laughs> well, that's i I'm taking, a sure I'm taking that. <laughs> I'm taking that, the the 90s was all about, you know, like, getting people to like you, In the 2000s, it's all about getting people to like other people less than you, so I'm taking a new modern approach to my
1: life. Well, you're doing a good job, because- Why build myself
2: up when you can cut other people down?
1: Yeah, they don't like me, so that's easy enough. I'm just not squeezer. In a world of squeezers, I'm a not squeezer.
2: Wow, that's, that's actually really good for you.
1: (laughs) You're a sweet boy and handsome.
2: Oh, wow. Your waistline is is less than your inseam. <laughs> Look at you, show off.
1: Uh, all right. We'll be back next week. We actually have like a a, a couple shows planned out. Oh, Squeezer, don't we? we yes. Have, we have a future. We're not just flying by the seat of our ass. Next week, future. here's a, a few things you guys want to keep in mind. Next week, we're talking box office bombs. And then Snow Days. Uh, but then uh, in April, on April 7th, we are going to do Listener's Choice. So we want you to get in contact with us any way you know how over DM on Instagram. Email us at rk at or squeezer at And let us know what you want us to talk about. And we're going to pick 10 topics, 10 things that you guys send us. Or maybe one topic that you guys send us and do it. Uh, we're, I haven't decided yet, but it's Listener's Choice is in April, Uh, in March, all of March, we're talking about 30 years ago in 1991. So we're covering television in 91, movies in 91, video games in 91, toys and junk food in 91. There's five shows in March, five. Uh, We got celeb TV cameos, sleepovers, more Super Bowl commercials and more retro moments in there too. And we will take you through April with some great Rad Years content until we sit down and figure out what we're doing for the rest of the summer. But, uh. Crazy esque Gregorian calendar. Yeah. We will be back. Five weeks? Yeah, five weeks in March. Uh. March 3rd, March 10th, March 17th. St. Patrick's Day, we're doing a show, my lad. March 24th and March 31st. Uh, are Are you sure? Uh. It's not like we're gonna go anywhere. And we're gonna drink during the show, which is not different from any other night. Yeah, but.
2: I mean, can you drink within reason on that show?
1: Yeah, I know. I'm not I'm not thirty seven anymore, Squeezer. I'm thirty eight. I don't get fucking wasted on St. Patrick's <laughs> Day. Jesus. Alright, let's hit the post. I'm RK. I'm a Squeezer. See you next week.